0: So now join me in welcoming from Spring, Texas, the Catholic Act, Joe McLean. Joe? Thank you. Thank you. Howdy. Howdy. Today's talk is entitled, A Life Worth Living. You see, I spent most of my life living for the praise of men, mostly my father and not for the love of my Heavenly Father. Our Lord says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, starting in verse 23, And He said to all, If any man would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for My sake, he will save it. For what does it profit a man if he grants the whole world, or if he gains the whole world, and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I can honestly say for most of my life I was ashamed of our Lord. I think back as I was preparing for this talk I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to Genesis 22, to that account of when Abraham was called after many years and after many struggles to take his only son, the son, who, the son who he dearly loved, to a mountain to which the Lord would show him and upon which he would offer as a sacrifice back to God. I was struck by how Abraham didn't question He didn't raise any objections. He went about the business of preparing to do exactly as the Lord had asked of him. But it took a long way for Abraham to get to this point. Many decades before, he was called out of the pagan idolatry of his family to a land he had never been to before. And when he got there, a famine struck and he was forced to go down to Egypt. And when he gets down there, this great man of faith convinced his wife to lie about their relationship because he was afraid he would be killed. God had to bail him out and rescue his wife from the clutches of Pharaoh. He did the same exact thing under Abimelech. And when God promised him that even though he had no children and he was old, his descendants would number as the stars of the sky or the sand of the seashore, and yet he was not willing to wait on the Lord's promise. And so, when his wife offered her handmaid, Hagar, the righteous man of faith said, Oh, twist my arm, sure, yeah. Take the younger lady, no problem. Oh, darn, it was my wife's idea. Sounds like Adam and Eve a little bit there. And so, God had to teach him yet another lesson. Handed him the knife and said, All right, cut off the foreskin. You want to play games? Let's play some games. That is not your son of the promise, Abraham. We had a plan. Stick with me on this. Come with me on this. And so he dismissed Ishmael and his mother, leaving only Isaac. So Abraham dearly loved his son Isaac. He was the son of the promise. And finally, he didn't question. And finally, he just went along with the the will of God. He trusted that what God said would come true no matter what God promised me that my son would bear forth a whole nation of sons and daughters that through my seed would come the Messiah the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords I trust God that if I give him my son he'll give him back finally the great man of faith has great faith so he just simply prepares he cuts the wood for the sacrifice He calls two young men. He saddles the donkey. Watch for that donkey. He's always there. And he calls his son Isaac, and they set out. On the third day, he lifts up his eyes, and behold, he sees Mount Moriah. This is the very same mountain upon which King Solomon will build his temple. This is the very same mountain upon which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would bear the wood of the sacrifice upon His back, climbing Mount Calvary, there to be sacrificed, the only begotten Son for the salvation of mankind. And so Abraham comes to the foot of this mountain and says to the one on his right and on his left, wait here with the donkey. My son and I will go yonder and worship and we shall return to you." He takes the wood and he places it upon the back of his son Isaac. Now, according to the scriptural account, Isaac was either in his late teens or all the way up to his mid-thirties. I was 17 when I joined the Marine Corps. I know it's hard for you to tell, but that was the best shape of my life. I was a pretty strong young man at 17. I'm fairly sure I could have taken a hundred plus year old man if I had to. So Abraham puts the wood on his son's back and Isaac bears the wood of the sacrifice up this mountain. Now Isaac's no dummy, he's young, but you know what, he's catching on quick. He says, "Um, Father, quick question, just curious. Uh, I noticed there's the wood, got that, carrying it, no problem. And you've got the knife and the fire. Where's the lamb? I, I I just noticed there's no lamb for the sacrifice, and usually there's a lamb, right? And that's how these things work. And he says in very tender words, My son, the Lord will provide himself the lamb for the sacrifice. Isaac never questions, he never complains, he never grumbles. It doesn't take Isaac decades of getting it wrong before he gets it right. Because when they get to the top of this mountain, to the place where God had showed Abraham, Abraham builds an altar, sets the wood in order, and then binds his son and places him, says lays him upon the wood. Isaac could have defended himself and didn't. Isaac could have run and didn't. Isaac gave himself willingly to his father. His father on earth and his father in heaven. And so Abraham grabs the knife. That moment where the rubber meets the road. I mean, faith is one thing, right? I mean, we go to mass and we we worship, we study scripture, We talk the talk, but now it's time to walk the walk. It's all in or not in. And so Abraham takes that knife and he's about to come down on his only son, the son whom he dearly loves. Father, I give to you my son because I know you will give him back. But just as at that moment where he's starting to come down, the Lord sends the angel and stays his hand. Don't do it. Don't hurt the lad because you have done this, because you have shown me your great faith, I will make your descendants as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. Through your seed, all the nations, the Gentiles, all the earth will be blessed. If only I had that kind of faith, the faith of Isaac. I was more like Abraham. Stumbling and fumbling through life. But God would not give up on me. Neither would my patron saint, St. Padre Pio. He was always there praying for me. You see, I wasn't willing to sacrifice my life for anybody. Nobody was that important to me. You see, I lived for myself. John chapter 12, verse 43. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That was me. I wanted to be made in my own father's image and likeness. You see, from my earliest days as a, as a little boy, I remember my father treating my mother inappropriately in a sexual way. These images will never leave me. I remember my father's porn stash as just a little boy, especially that resource book from the 70s to the 80s the joy of sex with all its very detailed descriptions and imagery that i perused so often because it was so prominently displayed on my father's bookshelf by the time i was 6 my parents were divorced then came the endless parade of women in my father's life at first i was pretty angry and bitter over this who are these women they are not my mother after a while you just kind of become numb to it I mean you want to love your parents right so you sort of acquiesce to their sins and you adopt your own worldview according to them by the time I was eight nine and ten I had my own porn stash as a young adolescent I masturbated every single day by the time I got to high school I had already lost my virginity and I had made it my explicit goal to have sexual relations with as many girls as possible. They were not human to me. They were mere commodities to be consumed. They didn't exist in the same way that I did. The world was my oyster and I wanted to consume it. You see, like a Coke can, when I was done consuming it, I would crumple it up and I would toss it in the garbage. That's how I would see women. They didn't have feelings or dreams or emotions. They existed to please me only. This was the legacy that my father gave me. In high school, we shared porn. By the time I made it into the Marine Corps, as a young man, my father was giving me sage advice how to have multiple partners at the same time. How to keep one girlfriend from finding out about the other. How to not pass venereal diseases on. I relished in this. You see, I was always and every time seeking satisfaction. I was hungry to have that fill in my soul, but I never found it. Only in every time I masturbated or used another person in some way, I only had shame. And so like an animal, I pursued this satisfaction that I couldn't find. And so I would get into more base imagery, more graphic debauchery. Always looking to be filled and never finding it. Now, I'm no rock star. I'm not Tommy Lee Jones, but I will share one story with you. There was one young girl. I wish I could tell you her name, but I don't remember her name because she wasn't that important to me at the time. She was 18 years old. She was living on base with her sister and her sister's husband, who was a staff sergeant in my command. I was a bachelor living in the barracks. So they invited me over to have dinner and hang out on the weekends. And when I got a hold of this young lady, I made her my pursuit, my next trophy. I was going to consume her like all the rest. Oh, well, when I got what I wanted, I was done with her, ready to move on. I didn't want anything else. Well, lucky for me, my roommate back in the barracks, he wanted in on the action. Well, this is perfect. I move out, he moves in. I move on. About a month later, I got the phone call. Hi, I'm pregnant, and I don't know who the father is. Are you sure? What are you going to do? I think I'm going to get an abortion. Yeah, that's a great idea. I tell you what, I'll pay for it. Even better, I'll drive you there. Brothers in Christ, there was no way I was going to be pinned down by this woman. She just didn't mean anything to me. I had to consume the world. There was too many other women out there for me to conquer. I drove her to the abortion clinic. We had to drive over the mountain range in Hawaii because we were in the windward side of Oahu. Long drive. I never talked to her. Didn't care. Didn't want to know. I take her to the clinic, I check her in, we sit down. The nurse finally calls her, and just as she begins to round that corner where I cannot see her anymore, I got up and I walked out. I wasn't going to hang out there, you kidding me? That place is depressing. I go across the street to the Honolulu Mall where all the cute girls were. Oh, Hawaii's got some cute girls. I found one. I started working my magic. Again, try to use some imagery. 17, small. And just as I'm working my magic on this girl, getting the phone number for this one young lady, there was another young lady across the street, all alone, lying on her back, having the child within her womb ripped to shreds because I was not man enough to give her a choice. I murdered that child because I was not the man God created me to be. Rather than being or living in the image and likeness in which I was created, I was living in the image and likeness of my own father. This changed everything. I didn't know it or understand it. But this sent me towards depression. No longer did I want to serve my country with honor and integrity. I was too busy serving myself. So I got out of the core in 95 and went home. Immediately, I started to drink to excess every night. Hanging out in strip clubs, spending all my money on porn and all kinds of craziness. Bouncing around. Well, after a short stint in Oklahoma City, living with my sister in radio broadcasting school, I decided that I wanted to go live with my dad again. You know, I needed some good times and my dad was living with yet another woman up here in New Hampshire. So I sold my car and bought a train ticket from Dallas to Boston. I stepped off April 1st, 1997 to two feet of snow. What is wrong with you people? It's April. Like we put up a picture of a snowflake in January and we call it done after that in Texas. I should have known right then and there, but I wasn't that smart. I move in with my dad, back to the same old days, sharing the porn stash, doing the whole thing. I landed two radio gigs, WNHQ 92.1 in Milford, and and WHOB 106.3 up in Nashua. I was the morning show co-host in the Nashua station. Technically, my job was to read the news and the weather and the sports, but I was pretty terrible at it. A Texas kid trying to pronounce, you know, Swamp Scott and, and Gloucester and, like, these people don't know how to pronounce words. I, we would get hate phone calls every time I had to read the hockey scores. I, I couldn't begin to read a, a Canadian Russian name, it was terrible. But there was one young lady who thought I was kind of funny and had pity on me, and so she kept calling into the station. And one day, I was broadcasting live from a pizza joint, Bertucci's up in Nashua, and she came in to meet me. And for the first time, I laid eyes on her. I wanted her to be my next trophy. But I wanted to lock her in for life. I wanted to marry her. And I knew that right then and there. I pursued her for a year. And finally, the day came when I wanted to ask her to marry me. Up in Manchester, New Hampshire, there's a rock that overlooks the town. It's called Rock Remmen. Well, I hauled up to the top of this rock a wooden dining room set. And I laid out a red tablecloth, a silver candelabra red candles. I put out red lobster. I blindfolded her and drove her all around town so she wouldn't know where she was going. And I carried her up this mountain, this little hill. I like to say mountain. It makes me feel better. Um... Just as the sun was setting, and you got the purples and the oranges and the reds in the sky, and all the teenagers who go up there to smoke pot were like, whoa, what is this dude doing? I pull the blindfold off, and I'm on my knees, and I have the white ring box, the leather ring box. It had a a light inside the lid, and it just made that diamond look so bright and brilliant, and I'm thinking, oh, she is going to melt. This is awesome. I'm going to get the, the biggest you know, kiss ever. And she looks at this ring, and she looks at that lobster and says, whoa, lobster. <laughs> My wife's Portuguese from Peabody. And if you've ever seen a Portuguese from Peabody tear into a lobster, I had to have counseling after I mean, you suck things. You're not. No, that's not right. It's disturbing. I, had, I should have discerned that prior. She did say yes, and we enjoyed our dinner at the top of this mountain. But not long after, she said, "You know, I'm Catholic, and if we're going to get married, you're going to have to become Catholic too because I want to get married in the church." I said. Catholic? My whole family is Church of Christ from Indiana. Now, the Church of Christ, for the most part, thinks that Catholics are going to go to hell. At that time of my life, I didn't much care. To me, all roads led to heaven. I was living the heathen's life. I fell away from the Church of Christ and Christianity as a 12-year-old. But I knew that my family would care. I knew it would be a big deal to them. But you know what I said? Whatever it takes. I don't care. You know, Catholic, Buddhist, whatever. So I enlisted in RCIA. And no matter how arrogant, no matter how rude, no matter how foul mouthed, no matter what kind of crazy question I could conjure up, that RCIA team never once made me feel unloved or unwelcomed. And I tried so hard to upset them. You know? I was a third-degree master mason. I had tattoos, living a pretty rude and crude life, and I was just trying to throw all these curveballs out, and never once did they swing at them. And one day in particular, they were reading the Beatitudes. You know, I'm going along my crazy life, living the way I want to live. And they begin to read these Beatitudes. I closed my eyes, and the Lord God allowed me a moment of clarity, one that I had not experienced prior. And I'm just listening to them recite these beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst For righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Stop right there, because that was the one that got me. At that moment, the Lord allowed me to be perfectly honest with myself. I'm just sitting there and listening to this, and I'm thinking immediately, that is true that is authentic, that is sincere. You want to get to heaven, that's the way to do it. But then the thought came to me so clear, I am not free to live the Beatitudes. I said, it's a good thing I'm going to live a long life. Maybe someday down the road, I will be free to pursue holiness. But right now, there was no way I was going to be doing this. I knew what I'd be doing that night, boys. You see, I had convinced my future wife that we should live together. Oh, we gotta test drive this thing, you know? Oh yeah. We gotta consolidate bank accounts and bedrooms. Oh yeah. It'd be crazy not to contracept. Are you kidding me? Of course we're having premarital sex. What other way is there? I knew that night, brothers, that when we got back to our apartment and my future wife went to bed and fell asleep, I jump on my new computer with my high speed cable modem and I'd download all the porn I wanted with a click of a mouse. And that night I masturbated, seeking satisfaction but not finding it. For I knew I was a slave to my disordered passions and not free to pursue holiness. Even though I could be honest with myself there in RCIA, I knew I wasn't free. Fast forward, we get married after I become Catholic, of course. And just a side note, the pastor, he was so awesome. He tried so very hard. Moments before we go out to become married, he's got me in the back calling me into confession. He knew. He knew. He could see it in my eyes. I don't know where that priest is today, but I thank God for him. We get married We buy a house up in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. Two months later, my wife's whole family moves in. (laughs) Penance, my son. I said, Lord, the Catholic thing was to get married. You know, we moved on, right? I wasn't going to Mass. I was living like a drunken sailor on shore leave gone out of control at a Mardi Gras. I would scream and yell at my wife's mother and siblings. You loafers, get a job! Get out of my house! You're ruining my life! I disrespected them at every opportunity. And then the day came where I lost my job. Now, I was not even bringing home a paycheck, let alone love, integrity, and respect. So my wife had said, I've had enough. She wrote it down on a piece of paper. You take this, I take that, we're done. Brothers in Christ, I didn't know what to do. Every time the Lord came walking, I hid in the bush. I ran the other way. Put my finger in my ears. La, 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 I don't want to hear it. If you do not listen to the small voice in your life, well, watch out because he gets louder. He took out that 2 by 4 and he handed it to St. Padre Pio, who whacked me over the head with it. I didn't know what to do. I turned to the one person who I was sure would not be there. I was never there for him. I pulled out that Bible they gave me at RCIA class. It was still pretty dusty, so I just you know, sort of dusted it off and I pulled it out and I, I looked at it. and I opened to Matthew chapter 5. I didn't know where else to go. I, I just started reading. Then I felt compelled to get on my knees. And then I felt compelled to say out loud, I cannot do this. You have to do this, Lord. And I do not lie to you, brothers, that in that moment of time, the Lord, the God of all the universe, came to me. I didn't see him. I didn't hear him. But he made himself known. He allowed me to have that moment of clarity yet again. For the first time in over 20 years, I didn't understand why, but I knew that I could no longer masturbate. That I could no longer lust after another human person. I couldn't abuse another person, let alone myself. And I didn't know why. It was scary. The moment before, I would have argued with you. I would have rationalized with you. We're all born sexual beings. It's just love, right? It's all good. Consenting adults, who's being harmed? In that moment of time, I could not run and hide behind my excuses. God pulled back the veil of my sin and He allowed me to see a taste of the damage that I had wrought in my own soul, let alone in all of those around me. In that moment of time, in April of 2002, there on my knees, He put on my heart an insatiable hunger and desire to get to know him. I didn't know who he was. I could not take another moment without knowing and coming to know who he was, who made himself so real and personal to me. I was like a madman from that point on. And in that moment of time, He put it on my heart. He just put it thick on my heart. You must save your marriage. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care how much begging, groveling, you know, stealing, borrowing, whatever you got to do. Go and save your marriage. And do not expect your wife to lift one single finger because you made this bed. You're going to lie in it. And brothers in Christ, my wife, did not want to listen to a single word I said. She had caught me too many times. I had broken her heart way too many times. She didn't want any part of me. But the Lord God wasn't going to allow that to be good enough. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, St. Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I had to suffer for my marriage. And I deserved every ounce of it. Every ounce of it. And let me tell you something. The devil took this opportunity and he ran all day. He whispered all the doubts into my wife's ear. It took a long time to overcome those scars and those wounds. But by the grace of God, we did. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. To live is Christ. To die is gain. This set us on a journey, a wild ride. We were Protestant. I was thoroughly Protestant. All my family, my neighbors were fallen away Catholics. Every ounce of resource and In my life was all Protestant, so I was going to leave the Catholic Church. Long story short, if it wasn't for a faithful parishioner at the parish that we were attending, who noticed what was going on and not willing to allow us to walk out the door, to turn our backs on the sacraments, between her, the Holy Spirit, the early church fathers, and Dr. Scott Hahn, I am Catholic today. Praise God and amen. But let me tell you something. When I gave my heart to Christ and to His church, I went to confession. And there on my knees in that confessional, I heard the sweetest words I could ever hear. The God of the universe who breathed life into my soul, spoke through the priest so that I could hear his voice and have absolute assurance. My son, I absolve you. You are forgiven. You were a slave and now you are my son again. You were naked and I clothed you. And all the angels of heaven rejoice at every time a man walks out of that confessional, giving up that baggage that destroys him. The sweetest satisfaction I could ever taste, smell, see, or hear, or realize was coming out of that confessional and going to Holy Eucharist after. Amen? In Texas, we like to say, Amen! You are a son of the Most High God. You are not your sin. You are a child of the Most High God. Do not identify with anything else. You're a son of His Catholic Church. Do not identify with anything else. You want satisfaction? You want a life truly worth living? Then don't spend the decades like I did in debauchery. Don't spend another minute in it. But give your heart to Christ and to His Church. Pour out yourself like a libation in the Holy Confessional and allow your Father to speak to you in the sweetest words, the most satisfying words that you could ever even imagine. You want a life truly worth living? We are about to embark on a journey towards Jerusalem. We are about to follow our Lord sitting on that jackass as he makes his way up to even the horns of the altar. We are about to cry out, Hosanna and the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then we are about to arrest him. And he says... In John's Gospel, chapter 12, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. and Where I am, there shall my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Entering into his passion, he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. For this purpose, I have come to this hour. You want a life truly worth living? Then take up your cross. Our Lord was not dragged to Calvary as a slave, as some emaciated, helpless criminal. Our Lord marched on Calvary as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He lays down his life, and he can take it up again. He could have called down the legions of angels to come and protect him, and he did not. Why? Because tortured, mocked, derided, hanging naked on the cross. He musters the energy to overcome the sheer agony to haul himself up on those nails and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You want to live a life truly worth living, then pour out your life as a total self-gift. The world will never satisfy you. It is incapable of doing anything other than consuming you. Be a light to a dark world. In total self gift. Amen? amen? Follow Christ all the way up to the hill. And like real men, we take the hill. Because it is only on top of Calvary that we find our life truly worth living. Amen? 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 amen. Praise God and Amen. God bless you.